0: Your reading today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 1. If you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, it is the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven.
1: Father, thank you. Thank you for this time we can come together to worship you and praise you, to remember who you are and who we are. And in a world where there is so much suffering and hurt, a world where there is so much evil, we thank you for your body, which is here in the church. We thank you that we can gather together and be shaped and formed by you by praising you in song, talking to you in prayer. And hearing your word. So Lord, as we open your word. Lord, may the words that will be spoken next. Lord, may they be your words and not mine. Pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Who missed going to church on Thursday? I see some hands. It used to be that we would come together on the Thursday before, two Thursdays before Pentecost, 40 days after Easter, to remember Jesus' ascension to heaven. I like that, how you had the bloom ascending. It was a real visual of, of what the disciples must have been doing as they stood on that hillside, on that mountainside, as, as they're standing there, and all of a sudden, you know, their eyes are, are following Jesus. And I go, yeah. That must have been something. But we don't often think about Ascension Day. And there's a number of reasons, and we'll get into those a, a little while later. But Ascension Day is it is an important day. It's a day when Jesus heads back to heaven, and he claims his place beside the Father. At the right hand of God. Heidelberg Catechism. It talks about Jesus' return to heaven. And the catechism was written by a pastor and a scholar working together. That's why the Heidelberg Catechism is one of the most beautiful documents in the world. One of the... A confession. A catechism that is used by churches all around the world even from non-reformed backgrounds and traditions, because it leads with comfort, it leads with hope. So the pastor and the scholar, they tell us the answer to the question of how does Jesus' ascension to heaven benefit us, well, they tell us that first he pleads our cause in heaven in the presence of our Father, as Paul reminds us in Romans 8. And second, we have our own flesh in heaven, a guarantee that Christ our head will take us, his members to himself in heaven, which became really meaningful this week as Joanna went home to the Lord. Heaven is not just a spiritual place. Heaven is a physical place where physical people are. So Jesus could say on the cross to that thief, "Today you will be with me in paradise." And then third, he sends his spirit to us on earth as a further guarantee. By the spirit's power we make the goal of our lives not earthly things, but the things above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. As Paul reminds us in Colossians 3. Jesus returns to heaven but before he returns, as Matthew tells us, Jesus said, hey, you know what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is nothing that's not under Jesus' authority and power. And that includes Satan. And when I heard the news out of Texas, Those words held more meaning for me this week. Evil was present in a powerful way. But Jesus is going to defeat it. Satan can, can bring pain and hardship and misery and temptation into our life, but he won't win in the long run. But he will win many battles until Jesus' return. But that's why we're here. We're here to stand up. To stand up to evil, to wrong, and say no. That is from this kingdom here on earth. But we serve a king who has a greater kingdom. A kingdom that when Jesus returns is going to completely transform the kingdoms of these earth of this earth so that all things all people will be under Jesus's authority and power that's the hope that we have that Jesus goes to sit at God's right hand, a place of power and ruling. Jesus is crowned as our king as he returns home to his father. And before he returns, he says to his followers, Hey, head back to Jerusalem. I know I told you after my resurrection to, to come here to Galilee because it was a safe place, a quiet place, where I could invest in you, I could teach you, I could, I could get you ready for what's going to happen next. But now you got to go back to the center. Back to the place where my death was. And I'm going to send you a gift that's going to blow your socks off. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Right now, you listen to everything I taught you and I I told you and and you look at me and you're, you're saying inside yourself, no way, we can't do all this stuff that you're calling us to do. We can't be your witnesses. We can't be your martyrs. Because that's where the word witness is in Greek. It's martyrs. We're not able in our own strength to stand strong. Jesus says, head back. Head back to Jerusalem. And I'm going to send you my spirit. Don't worry. My spirit will be with you and in you. Don't be afraid. Even though you may die, and most of them did, even though you may die by being my witnesses, I will give you the strength to walk that journey. It takes a deep belief and trust in Jesus. This is a trust and commitment to Jesus as our Savior and our King. The one who commands us to go and be martyrs. Still in the world today. As we see in the world today, as we see in Ukraine, as we see in Texas, as we see in our our own country, as First Nations mourn, as we see in other places in the world like Somalia and the Congo, there is still so much hurt and brokenness. There is still so much of this world thinking and living going on. Jesus says, go. Trust me. Trust me as your Lord and as your King. But that doesn't always come easy for us today. For those of us who are older, you may remember the 60s and the 70s the last time there was a great societal and church unrest it was it was a time where people began to throw off the yoke of authority and began to say i don't trust anymore I don't trust leaders. I don't trust leaders of my country, of my area. I don't even trust the leaders of my church. It was a time of the Vietnam War, the Cold War with Russia, the Korean War. It was a time where there was violence and unrest. It was a time when people began to focus on themselves. And out of that focusing on themselves came some came some strange things because as they left the church they, they could not leave the sense that there is something greater than themselves so it was a time of growth of meditation and spirituality it was a time focused on personal freedom time of the sexual revolution, the civil rights movement, a time when distrust of leaders just grew and grew and grew. And people began to question God and question his word. And saying, I'm not going to trust anybody else's interpretation except my own. We've seen this distrust of authority play out over the last few years both in the pandemic, but also within the church. And it's sad, because that distrust creates brokenness, creates division. Instead of bringing people together under Jesus in the church, because we want to be in control of what we believe, The church gets divided. Because we don't trust our political leaders, our national, provincial, and sometimes even local leaders, we divide into camps. And what happens is hurt and brokenness. We live in a time where it's hard to understand what it means to have Jesus as our king and what the call of full obedience and loyalty this calls for us to have to Jesus. It means fully accepting Jesus' call to give our lives for his mission, for his purposes, setting aside our wants and desires for his It means that our identity is found in Jesus. It's found in his body instead of ourselves as individuals. It means we think in terms of being part of and what's best for Jesus' kingdom rather than what we want. It's about realizing that the one thing we need most is a king who cares about us more than we even care for ourselves. We need to believe that Jesus is our king and that he will protect and provide for us exactly what we need and nourish for us in order for us to flourish as his people, in order for us to be able to have the courage to tell others about who Jesus is and then call them to follow him alongside us. As our King, Jesus wants us to follow Him, not because we're forced to. Though the nations of the world in Revelation, the picture that John gets is that even those who are against Jesus will be forced to kneel and confess that He is Lord. But that's not what Jesus wants for us, He wants us to follow Him. Because we're reflecting his love for us. Back to him. So Jesus tells his followers, if you love me, you will keep my commands. After giving the disciples their mission, Jesus is taken up before their eyes. The Messianic Jews, when they're praying to Jesus, they don't close their eyes and fold their hands like we do. They raise their hands and they raise their eyes and they look to heaven because that's where Jesus is. I think that's a beautiful picture. To remember that when we talk to Jesus, that we acknowledge where he is. And then we acknowledge his spirit within us. Jesus is taken up before their eyes. cloud hides him from their sight. Luke then tells us the disciples were looking intently into the sky as as Jesus is taken up and hidden. And St. John Chrysostom writes in a homily on this passage, you know, it seems to me that they had not any clear notion of the nature of the kingdom. For the Spirit had not yet instructed them. Notice that they do not ask when it shall come, but will you at this time... Restore the kingdom to Israel. As if the kingdom were still something that lay in the past. This question shows that they were still attracted by earthly things. Though less than they had been. Even at this time. Even after the the cross and the empty grave. And 40 days of, of teaching and Jesus is investing in them. They're still thinking... That it's going to be centered in Jerusalem. They're thinking of national borders. Halleberg Catechism affirms this. Christ ascended to heaven there to show that he is head of his church. And that the Father rules all things through him. That's what he went up for. But it is not for a place bounded by borders that people create. Or even borders that God created at that time. Because Jesus is king of the entire world. Of all creation. Catechism focuses on the church first. While Paul in Ephesians 1 emphasizes that Jesus rules over all things first. And God placed all things under his feet. Appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Which is his body. And the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In Paul's way of thinking, Jesus is king of the church, past, present, and future. And the church is Jesus' body here to witness to all creation who Jesus is. And to invite them into Jesus' kingdom. By accepting Jesus as their savior and king. Imagine a world shaped by Jesus' teaching. How different that'll be than the world we live in today. But back to the changes of the sixties and seventies, it seems like it was all bad, but it wasn't. There's was also a time of great hope. A hope when people believe that we can solve all the world's problems. They turned to science, they turned to capitalism, they turned to exporting the American dream and and ways. It was a time of the Peace Corps in in the United States where where, where young men and women would would offer up a year or more of their lives to serve around the world, to, to bring hope and healing and prosperity and flourishing there a time of Katimovic in, in Canada where, where young people would, would volunteer nine months and, and they would be joined together with other young people from across Canada and serve in three different areas of Canada so that they could get to know their country and there could be unity and there could be a coming together of our nation while we're serving and making our country a better place. It was a time of hope when people dreamed of a time when all people would be treated with respect and honor. A time when poverty and injustice could be wiped out. A time of peace and hope and grace. It was a change in our churches of of The church is investing in our youth and our young people, creating things like serve projects and and opportunities to, to discover the church in different parts of North America and in different parts of the world. It's a time of excitement. It's a time of helping our youth see that Jesus has equipped them too to serve right now, that serving Jesus is not limited by how old we are or how young we are. Christians began recognizing that the good news of Jesus was at the heart of the change that the world needed. Without realizing it, people were dreaming and hoping for the kingdom of heaven to come. An ascension Day is a day of hope and excitement as Jesus takes his place at the right hand of God and commissions us to share that gospel news, to bring it into all corners of our world, but all corners of our community as well. Gospels didn't understand yet what was exactly going on, but they trusted Jesus. I love how the two men dressed in white suddenly appear and, and say, hey, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking this, into the this sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. See, Ascension Day isn't the end of Jesus' story here on earth. It's the beginning of the next chapter in the kingdom of heaven. It's the climax of Jesus' exaltation, crowned as a king of all creation. Revelation 19 verses 13 and 16 say, "He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And on his thigh, robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, because of the blood that his robe is dripped on is dipped in. He's been given authority over all creation." And that blood points to the battle that Jesus is engaged in yet with Satan. A battle that Satan has no chance of winning, but boy, he loves it when we fall. That's why Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. As we engage in Jesus' kingdom of heaven work here on earth, as his witnesses to counter the work that Satan is engaged in, to discredit and twist all that Jesus is doing, we're called to complete obedience to Jesus' Jesus's commands. Jesus is our king. We're part of his kingdom. This is communal. This is community ways of thinking. This is about who we are. Jesus' people. It's about who our allegiance is to. Jesus. And it's where we get our identity from. Jesus. It means focusing less on our allegiances to groups or philosophies rooted in this world and focus on who Jesus is. Who Jesus, our King, is calling us to be. And this total obedience is rooted in love as Jesus commands to us are to love God first above everything else and then to love our neighbors as ourselves To go and be servants as Jesus is a servant. And to go and be disciples. To be witnesses and make disciples. Because that flows out of Jesus' love for this world. Jesus doesn't want anyone to be lost. And that's one of the saddest things but what we see in the world today is how many people are lost. How many people who need Jesus? That's why we're told that Jesus calls us to be witnesses, to be martyrs for him and his good news. But it takes trust takes faith in Jesus it takes making Jesus and his will first in our lives why? because he's our king amen father thank you thank you that you recorded in your scriptures ascension day and that you showed us what it means That Jesus is king. That all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. But it also makes us realize what our mission is. To be witnesses for Jesus and for the kingdom of heaven. So Lord, through your spirit give us the trust And the faith we need to truly be your witnesses here wherever you place us. Amen.